Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning is a show about learning in the 21st century. Through interviews with leaders, entrepreneurs, and educators, we explore technology, trends, and insight of learning for professional and organizational development. We have had three successful seasons. We've met with diverse individuals, sharing their stories and giving us insights about their businesses, organizations, industries, and life in general. Most surprisingly, we've hit a great milestone for the show as well, reaching over 300,000 unique downloads from over 130 countries since its launch in January 2018. A big thank you to all the listeners and supporters for making this possible. It has been a fantastic ride, and I hope to continue this podcast show for years to come. The Leaders of Learning podcast aims to explore various insights, methods, and trends of professional and organizational development in the 21st century. One of the main focus of the show is in preparing yourself and your organization for the future of work. As the economic, technological, and political landscape continues to change at an ever faster rate, even than a few years before, we should continuously upgrade ourselves and our workforce to prepare for our uncertain future. Our Season 3 speakers shared their insights that ranged from planning for succession to education technology and from harnessing social media to developing global skills. started off with a curious question. What is the future of Asia? How can we prepare for it? For this, we spoke to Dr. Parag Khanna, who is a leading global strategy advisor, world traveler, and best-selling author. He released a book called The Future is Asian. If you treat ASEAN as a regional economic system, as we should, it's already the third or four, it's a fourth largest economic area in the world behind the European Union, the United States, and China. So ASEAN is a very big deal, and India close behind in fifth place. So again, three out of the five major economic zones in the world are in Asia, and ASEAN is an extremely important part of that. What we've been seeing for the last you know, 10 years is that supply chains are shifting out of China towards ASEAN. You know, we, we're seeing regional integration, the mobility of people, the fluidity of investment in supply chains, and, and the, the rights of students and journalists and companies and business travelers to move seamlessly around the region. All of that is happening. And that's a really, really positive story that uh, ASEAN represents. The corporate classroom has long needed to transform, even though organizations may or may not be ready to adopt technology. There are ways to transform the corporate classroom to become a meaningful and life-changing experience. We spoke to my dear friend, Jay Kornat. Jay is a transformative facilitator and the managing director of Transform Agent Academy based in Bangkok. But uh, they say the evidence show that the more active and engaged in learning process that you have, it 
will give you the higher rate of deeper learning and longer term retention. So that means when you use battery teaching methods like discussion group, practice by doing, collaboration, or teaching others, it will make you learn even deeper and remember and can be able to use this in daily life much longer than receive information from lecturing and reading. And that's a question why we learn something and sometimes we let go something and we forget something. I think the key thing is reflection and deep cognitive process towards mm -hmm. that experience. So experiential learning, it's simply to put it as the learning through reflection on doing things. Let's say your organization is ready to adopt technology to support the skills development of your workforce. Purchasing and implementing a system alone is not enough. There needs to be some considerations and time for transition in changing the way we learn in the workplace. We spoke to Steven Sutantro, who is a multi-awarded educational technology coach with international certifications from Google, Apple, National Geographic, and many more. He's currently based in Jakarta, Indonesia. My experience, a lot of like uh, startup right now, millennials, more you know, young people are more ready mm -hmm. because it's not about the industry. Uh, it's not about the subject of the industry or the industry itself. It's about who actually lead the the industry, who lead the the business itself. If mm -hmm. they have like millennials or even like old people or say very senior people who really open-minded, they are more, actually they are more ready compared to uh, like probably like very obvious. Uh, I have seen like a lot of industry who actually need technology, but unfortunately they have like old mindset human resources who cannot accept the change itself. Number one is definitely leadership support. It's mm -hmm. definitely, it's very important for you to have support from the executive people who, who understand what you want to achieve what they want to align with their goals and visions. That's number one thing that you need to talk with the leaders itself. Mm -hmm. Because the leader support is very difficult for you to implement any technology, even though that technology is looks so fancy, looks very useful without the leadership. Well, it takes you like forever to really implement technology. So I believe like leadership is very crucial here. Another type of support that you will need is definitely a leader or a core a core IT support and also like an early adopter who can set an example for all of the members who can inspire people to learn technology to start the change in your in your organization. So after the leader, you need to build like, I can call it like a champions team where you can build a team who can support you, who can continuously be there to implement, to spread out the innovation and to bring technology to the next level in your organization. For an organization to survive the ever-changing and volatile economic landscape and thrive for decades to come, you need to have the right succession of leaders. Most organizations encounter difficulties in finding, selecting and grooming the right talent for key positions. We have invited Rochelle Clark, who is a global strategist and the founder of Succession Strength. 
What you find is that a lot of times the intention is there to ensure that the business is well protected by having a backup plan. But when the rubber hits the road, when the reality, you know, really comes to light, at the end of the day, a lot of companies are really just looking to survive or looking to ensure that they are profitable day after day. And the focus tends to be on the immediate results. So as you can imagine, and as you have rightly said, at times, the importance of succession gets put on the back burner. Without the correct preparation, what happens is that if it's a family business or if it's in the corporate world, what you find is that there comes a time when you need to fill a role and you need to fill it relatively quickly. Now, if you have not done the due diligence ahead of time to ensure that the person stepping into that role is well prepared or even that the organization is well prepared, what you can have is a situation where there's a bit of disruption, destabilization, or even confusion within the organization. And this can actually lead to a slowdown in processes. And what you may end up doing is not setting your successor up for success. At the end of the day, that person stepping into the role might not have had the benefit of being really prepared for that role. Toxic cultures can have a big impact on the bottom line of any organization. If toxic cultures are so bad for business, why does it take so long for toxicity to be recognized? What can we do about it? We invited Ashok Miranda to share tips on curing toxic cultures. Ashok is a business transformation architect and the founder of Transform and Transcend. In my talks, I I always use the the fun uh, line, when you go to Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But what happens in your company doesn't stay in your company anymore. It's all out there. We're living in a new transparent world. So today you can, companies are rated based on their culture. CEOs are rated based on their work ethic and how they work. And so it's all there for the world to see. And unfortunately, when you go to a site like Glassdoor, you see majority of companies just with major issues of culture, right? And, and it's, it's quite vocal. A lot of employees talking about stuff. So going back to toxicity, there are several ways. So you see this big outward manifestation, but it starts with small things. I list several of these in my book, uh, heads down culture, but nobody looks at each other in the office. It's really quiet. You get a sense like you're in a morgue. You're not in a, in a work environment, really um, very silo. No one cross-pollinates ideas across there. Uh, meetings are just one way where the meeting organizer or the boss just talks and no one else responds. People just max out their sick leave. People just can't wait to get out of the door when it's like 5.30 or 6 in the evening. There's nothing beyond just, okay, this is my work. I won't do anything more than this. There's no meaningful work. There's really nothing. They're contributing to anything bigger. There's no passion. And you, you see these, these are the small things that start manifesting. There's corridor cliques. There's whisper culture. You know, there's just several things that we can spot earlier on. But we generally see the bigger results, the outward manifestation of, of culture, which really drags companies down. With changes in the economic landscape, it is inevitable that organization structures, career development will need to change along with it. We have invited Philippa Penfold, or also known as PIP, to speak about how we should change our approach to career development and that this new change will bring about greater opportunities for all. Pip has 20 years of corporate HR experience and is on a mission to bring together HR and tech through research and education. She's on a mission to help HR build future workplaces that we all want to work in. You joined a company, you specialized in what you were doing, you did your uni, and the goal was to get 
the best, the deepest, the most expertise in that area, in that field. That was the old way of winning. So I think what I'm seeing is, you know, so obviously my career is over 20 years and, and the first 10, it was very much, you know, specialist, but it's been breaking down for the last, certainly over the last five, definitely. Between five to 10, I've seen it start to disintegrate as well. Yes, there are pockets that still appreciate the depth. That, that's what our parents told us. That's what everybody told us that we were supposed to do. It's how the system is it's built. A how, yeah, exactly. So the disintegration of the existing system is taking longer for a lot of us. We want to move into this space. A lot of people are either frustrated that they can't go much further and they've been specialising for 20 years and you're like, well, what am I going to do now? Because it's just, you know, it's like Groundhog Day. Or they've done different things and it's never been valued as being able to bring these things together. But I think I see two things that are going to shape that are changing this. One is technology and the speed of change that it is bringing about. So we all know that the speed of change has been increasing and it only will continue to do so. I think that people and companies that do not change now will be left behind. So I think that those who are changing now are going to be the winners at the end. In progressing our careers, we will need to continuously gain valuable experiences, improve on our skills and build on our presence. We have invited Rohit Basti to share more about the importance of executive presence and how to develop it for yourself. Rohit is a TEDx and global professional speaker based in Dubai. There are many great definitions for executive presence and I think they're wonderful definitions. Yet when I look at those definitions, I always feel something is missing from them. And over the years, I looked at it again and again and again. And finally, a definition came into my understanding, which covered more than what people see as the presence. Because even to get that presence, there's something else which is happening inside you. And there are certain skill sets also which you acquire to get a certain amount of presence. Yes, people have that natural presence, but even with those natural presence, you need to still polish yourself. So looking at all of that, the way I looked at it is there's an A factor plus a B factor, which gives you that this equals to this so-called executive presence. Now, when you look at the A factor, you would say it would be the way you speak, the way you act, the way you look, perfectly fine. Now, the other question realizes, is that all presence is all about? What about the B factor, which is the credibility? So when you join all of those together, the A plus the B, that's when I thought, okay, that now is making more sense of what executive presence is, just not that you come into, into a room and the presence is there. Many of us use social media to increase our digital presence. However, social media has taken over our lives so much so that some research suggests social media can become an unhealthy addiction. My dear friend Marie Nadal Sharma advocates for the wise use of social media and that its unlimited potential can help us offline too. Marie is the founder and director of Them, You and Me, a digital marketing agency guiding businesses through digital transformation. Because I think people can be, you can be selective with the people you decide to talk to and you really can push the conversation forward. I think what's very important is to wonder at some point, us, 
just like me, for example, what is it that you're going to bring to the other person? How are you going to be able to help someone online into answering certain questions or doubts that may have or just someone having to share? And there's really a way to push, you know, the relationship forward and not having just some back and forth. Uh, yes, no, maybe. Um, I met a lot of people online that are really connected, you know, uh, being able to talk to them and exchange, you know, tip and best practices or things that happen about places I went to or situation of experiences that I went through in my life. So I think it's all a question. You can talk to reach the masses, but when it comes to what you like, what your interests, what's your strengths and your weaknesses, you will find that community online that will support you no matter what. It takes time, but I believe this is really the point where when you go to a networking event, it's also even if not everybody has social skills. And I know some people are shy and it's very difficult for them to go to networking and start talking to strangers. I believe like online, it's easier behind your computer or on your phone to talk to someone or to voice out what you agree with, what you disagree and having the people that will basically really start a real conversation with you. Becoming an entrepreneur is a dream for many. However, an entrepreneur's life is not a bed of roses. It's a lot of hard work and possibly heartache. I've had the great fortune to interview one of the world's most famous entrepreneurs, Gary Vaynerchuk, or also known as Gary V. Gary V is the chairman of VaynerX, a modern-day media and communications company, and the active CEO of VaynerMedia. I believe that entrepreneurship is similar to dancing and singing and playing ping pong and basketball. What that means is it can be taught. The problem is being a successful entrepreneur means that you have to be good. Good means you need to be able to sustain and make money and not go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think everybody is capable of that. I don't think that, you know, most people are not capable of getting paid to sing. Forget about being Beyonce or Lady Gaga. I mean, can you make money singing on a cruise ship or in a bar or playing local pubs to sustain your lifestyle? It's difficult. And I think most people are not capable of building an entrepreneurial business that sustains their life. With globalization and technology, it is inevitable that our society is increasingly diverse. Without a doubt, we need to learn how to adapt and navigate in our culturally diverse world. But where do we start? To end the season, I had a delightful conversation with a dear friend, Maital Barouche, where we share our cross-cultural fumbles, failures, and how important it is to adapt and adopt to a globalized world. Maital is an organizational consultant, intercultural trainer, professional speaker, and the founder of Global Mindset. For you, Maital, what is the one thing that someone should do if they want to prepare to work in a different location or to relocate overseas? I guess one thing people should do is to ask themselves, you know, how motivated am I to make a change within myself? Because many times people are changing environments, but refusing to change themselves. And one of the reasons people struggle to adjust is because they are using their old mindsets in their new environment. So if you want to succeed globally, you have to adopt a new mindset. A global mindset. Yes, definitely. Global mindset. <laughs> and what is your one strategy, Ling Ling? 
I think what most people do when they want to prepare to work overseas is that they do research first and they interview people who, or at least speak to people who have been there before. So for me, the one important strategy is to connect with someone, either a coach or a community that is based in the new location that understands where you come from and understands the culture that you're going to. It's actually much easier today to be able to find someone like that with social media, with all the different expat groups that are out there. And when you have someone whom I call a cultural coach, they will be of tremendous help in helping you to interpret different situations. So you might think a situation might mean this, but for the other person, it might mean something else. And this person, this cultural coach, will be able to help you see both worlds. I hope you enjoyed this episode, the best of season three. Do check out the episode that intrigues you most and continue to learn and grow in awesomeness. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend, a colleague, or a family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I would like to take this time to thank our sound engineer, Dave Isaiah, as well as our copywriter and team member, Sheen Galupo, for doing an excellent job on the show. Thank you so much and well done, everyone. I would also like to thank you, my dear listeners, for coming back to the show, connecting with me, and giving me feedback on how to make this a great show. Thank you so much for your support. I couldn't have done this without you. This is your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. Oh, 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 oh,